it's not based on a book. You can, you can, you know, combat the book all day long. But if you can go back and actually with scientific, philosophical, historical evidence prove that that event didn't happen, you can completely disprove Christianity. You shut the whole thing down. And what's so interesting to me is the number of atheists who set out to prove it didn't happen and end up becoming convinced it happened. Now, obviously, I'm not as smart as some of these scholars and, and, and things like that, but essentially on a, on a much smaller level, I, you know, humbly admitting that, like, I, that's what I set out to do this week. I'm going to prove that it's not real, and I'm convinced it's real. Just to name a few, J.D. Anderson, William Ramsey, Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, J. Warner Wallace, Gilbert West, Frank Morrison, all highly credited, you know, Ph.D.-level degrees or, or equal, set out to disprove Christianity, and now are all apologists defending the Christian faith. Gary Habermas has become one of my favorites. He's a historian and a philosopher of religion. He's considered among Christians and non-Christians alike to be the guy that's, that's, that's um, the, the expert on the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus, what we're all hanging our faith on. In other words, this guy is credited to have spent more hours and more time and more research on trying to find historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus than, than anybody. He took a team and they set out, and they wanted to know, what do most modern-day scholars believe? Is there any common ground? And so him and his team, they set out, and they found some, some highly accredited modern scholars, a mix of people who would say, I do believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and highly trained scholars who would say, I don't believe Jesus raised from the dead. And they interviewed all of them. This is so interesting to me. I hope you're, I hope you're tracking this. They interviewed all of them, over 3,000. And they discovered that there are six facts that over 90% of them all agree historically happened. Are you tracking with me? Do you see what I'm saying? So they interviewed thousands of people who believe and don't believe. And we're not just talking like everyday people like me. We're talking like highly trained. They, they, they know their, uh, their field of study, Christians, non-Christians. And over 90% of them agree on these six facts that I'm about to show you. When I show you these six facts... The question we have to wrestle with is, okay, based on these six things that even atheists are saying actually historically happened, we have enough evidence to prove that, what's the best logical explanation for it? Gary calls it the minimal facts, because at minimum, whether you believe or not, we all can agree historically on these things. Let me show it to you, the minimal facts. All of them would agree, number one, that Jesus was a real person. There's enough historical evidence to go, yep, Jesus was a real person who died by crucifixion on a Roman cross. Number two, that very soon afterward, Jesus' followers had experiences that they believed were actual appearances of a resurrected Jesus. Number three, because of those experiences that they claimed, right, these followers were transformed and they were willing to die for their belief in Jesus' resurrection. Number four, the message of Jesus and the Christian church started right after Jesus was killed, right where Jesus was killed, the city of Jerusalem. The importance here and and the implication here is that it wasn't like all this time went on and then they decided to start this thing in in some other part of the world. It's like this happened and and, and then all of a sudden there's this Christian movement. They would all agree on that. They would all agree that James, real person, James, Jesus' own brother, right? God came in the flesh and, and, and Jesus was the perfect sinless sacrifice for us. And for him to be the perfect sinless sacrifice, he has to live a perfect life. So he came as a baby. He grew, he, you know, grew, faced every temptation. And so he lived with earthly parents. He had brothers and sisters. And James was his earthly brother, who was not a Christian at first, became a Christian after the death of Jesus because he believed his brother really did come back from the dead. And then finally, number six, Paul, who wrote a large portion of the New Testament, went from killing Christians to starting churches because he had an experience he believed 
was the risen Jesus. Let me ask you, if atheists and Christian alike are going historically, we all agree that these things can historically be proven with enough evidence. What is the best possible explanation for all this evidence? What's the best possible explanation? Let me give you some arguments that, some, that, that, that somebody who doesn't believe that the best explanation is that Jesus rose from here. Let me give you some of the arguments that they would use. Uh, some would say, well, it was all a lie. They lied about it. Well, I don't believe that it was a lie. And the reason I don't believe that is because I don't see any motive for them to lie about this. In fact, J. Warner Wallace was an atheist, a homicide detective. He set out to prove Christianity wrong, and he approached it from a detective, a homicide detective perspective. He looked at the crucifixion as a crime scene. I'm going to prove that Jesus really did die and didn't resurrect. He went through that and said, you know what? I think he actually rose from the grave. There's enough evidence here that the most logical explanation is that he rose. And his biggest thing, his biggest defense as to why your faith is useless, why, why Jesus didn't rise from the dead, is because he felt it was a lie. And what he discovered is that there was no motive for them to lie. He concludes that in any murder, any lie, there's only three reasons why anybody lies. There's some subgenres of that, but at the end of the day, you can trace it back to these three things. They lie because they want power. Why does one gangster kill another gangster? They want power, right? It all traces back to that. You say, well, what about, you know, revenge or jealousy? What are they revengeful about? What are they jealous about, right? It's either power, lust, sex, girls, whatever, lust, or money. Now, let me ask you, these followers of Jesus, these disciples, did they get power because they made this up? No, they got their butts kicked all over the known world. They didn't get any power. They were, they were disgraced. They were persecuted and, and, and sent out. Did they get girls? Not that we know of. Right? Most of them were, were married and, and had wives. They didn't get a bunch of girlfriends. Did they get any money? No, they gave their life to go do this. I mean, there's, there's no real motive as to why it's a lie. Well, some might argue, okay, maybe it wasn't a lie, but what I believe is that these people hallucinated. When they say they saw the resurrected Jesus, it wasn't actually physically him. It was a hallucination. It was the ghost or spirit. It was a hallucination they saw. Well, for one, none of them, and we have evidence of this for the sake of time. I didn't put it in the minimal facts, but we have evidence that not one of them claimed that it was a spiritual thing that they saw. They all claimed this was a, like I saw him physically. I, I touched the holes in his hand. I ate with him. They all claimed it to be physical, but okay, let's entertain this idea is it a hallucination? Well, what science has proven, I'll give you two reasons why I don't believe it's, it's a hallucination based on science. One, hallucinations are never physical. It's always, it's always a, uh, you know, out, out of mind type thing. It's not a physical thing. And, and, and two, or well, let me just say this. If, if you hallucinate and it is like a spirit, it's not physical, and you see somebody that's spirit or you think it's their ghost, right? Most of the time, science will prove that 90% of the time, it's because you're grieving that person. Right? Why, why do you hear stories about, well, I saw my grandfather right after he died, you know, three weeks ago, and, and, but it's never claimed to be their physical appearance. And so I would just, I would just present this to you, right? If, if the followers of Jesus hallucinated and they saw the spirit of Jesus or the ghost of Jesus, that would further claim that he's dead, not resurrected. You see what I'm saying? If you see the spirit of somebody or the ghost of somebody, you wouldn't go, they're alive. you go, no, they're, they, they're mostly dead, right? Like, they're really dead. They claimed it was physical, too. We have accounts that multiple people saw Jesus and claimed to see his resurrected body, claimed to see him resurrected in groups. Science has proven you don't have group hallucinations. In other words, if hallucinations are kind of like dreams. If I have a dream about Teen Quest, you might also have a dream about Teen Quest, but those dreams do not line up. 
if we all happen to somehow miraculously dream about Teen Quest, those dreams are not going to line up. There is no scientific evidence for groups of people. Scripture claims that at one point over 500 people saw Jesus physically resurrected. There is no scientific evidence that would lead to group hallucinations. I don't believe that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. You might hear the argument, well, Jesus didn't rise from the dead because he didn't actually die. We have zero, zero historical accounts that anybody ever in history survived Roman crucifixion. Romans, they, they took pride in knowing how to kill somebody. They perfected the art of killing. They perfected the art of making somebody suffer for as long as it was entertaining to them. And then when it was no longer entertaining, they knew how to deliver the death blow. If you want to know more about that, man, come talk to me. For the sake of time, I'll move on. But I don't believe that Jesus actually survived. I do believe he died on that cross. I do believe he gave up his spirit. Well, uh, Aaron, the, the disciples, after Jesus died, they went and they overpowered the guards in front of the tomb, moved the stone, and they stole Jesus' body. Again, I would argue, I don't know that there's any motive there for what did they gain from that. But two, uh, historically speaking, when we look at the, the language and, and what's used there, when a guard is placed in front of, of a tomb, it's more likely that it wasn't one guard or two guards. A guard could be up to 200 Roman soldiers. How is it that a group of followers of Jesus who ran and hid, feared for their lives because they just saw their friend crucified on a cross, all of a sudden got the courage and the bravery to go overpower expert expert killers and overpower them and remove Jesus' body. I don't see that as the best possible explanation. That's not the best possible explanation for me. The last one I'll give you is this. You might hear, um, well, Aaron, when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the accounts of Jesus' life, they all say something different. Like there's, there's kind of the same thing, but they all say something different. They contradict themselves. I would actually argue that that's more proof of the validity of, of the gospel than that it's, that it's fictional. Let me tell you why. Let me use this as an example. Uh, let's say I pass away, and let's take four. Let's say, let's, let's say four people decide to write a biography about my life, not because I'm that interesting. Okay, this is my illustration. Just roll with me. Um, let's say for whatever reason, four people decide to write a biography on my life. Let's say one of them is you as one of my students, right? Uh, let's say another one is uh, a family member, uh, maybe, maybe like my cousin, uh, not, you know, not immediate family, but a family member. Let's say, uh, one, let's say one is Blair. Blair's on a paintball team with me. He decides to, to write a, you know, a biography about me. He's rolling his eyes because he would never do that. But let's, let's just say he did. Um, and then finally, let's say like my wife, right? The, my, my bride, the, the love of my life. Let's say she wrote a biography about me. Now, let me ask you this. If all four of those individuals set out to write a biography, you think word for word those are going to line up exactly? No. If you write a biography about me, you might lean more towards your relationship and your experiences with, with, with Teen Quest, with us as a youth ministry, with me as a youth pastor, you as a student. You might write about events that we did, things that we did. You might write about something I said. Blair might focus more on the times that we went out and played paintball. He might account the time that, that I totally ruined the game for the whole team, right? Or the time I broke my gun or the time I slipped and fell in the mud. He might focus in on that. Do you think my wife is going to focus in on my paintball career? No. She's going to focus on who I was as a husband, who I was as a father. My cousin might, might go all the way back to, to how we grew up together. He might start at my birth and go all the way through. Blair's not going to start with the birth. With the birth. He doesn't care. All four of these accounts of Jesus, when we look in Scripture, they come from different people, different perspectives. If we all go home, there's maybe, you know, let's say 30 to 40 of us in here. We all go home and we tell mom and dad about Teen Quest. 
Uh, let, let's say uh, the ladies that were in, in the band, you go home and you talk about Teen Quest. You might focus in on the songs that you sing. Uh, you might focus in on, on how, hey, we were short-staffed and we still pulled it off. And you might focus on, on the band and the music. And we did two songs instead of three. And you may not ever mention Cafe. One of you may go, yeah, I got a Dr. Pepper. Now, let's say, let's take this table right here. You go to game time and you kill it in Foursquare. So you, when you go home and mom and dad's like, how was Teen Quest? It was awesome. I had this killer shot in Foursquare. I, I killed everybody in it, right? How was the message? I don't know. Aaron rambled for like 30 minutes. He went way too long. And I think we talked about Jesus, but I don't really know, right? But, but you guys... You guys might go home, and they go, how was Teen Quest? And you go, man, I have really good reason to believe that Christianity is true. Why? Well, Aaron talked about this. Aaron did this. Did you, uh, did you have cafe? Yeah. Well, how do I know that to be true? You didn't even tell me about you see what I'm saying? you see what I'm getting at? Now, now, would our parents conclude they're all lying? None of their stories match up. They're all lying. Teen Quest didn't happen. No. If you all go home, and 30, 40 of us go home, and we say the exact same thing, what's mom and dad going to do? You lying. You all crafted a story. It's a lie. But you have different perspectives. You have a different personality. God, man, how good is God that he would give that to us? Right? And so you would explain it. We wouldn't, your parents wouldn't go the best possible explanation for all of their uh, contradictions. You know, well, he said there was cafe, but, 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 but he never mentioned cafe. Right? He, they mentioned songs. He never even mentioned songs. Right? Their best possible explanation for that wouldn't be they're all lying. It would be, well, you had a really good time in Foursquare, so you focused on Foursquare. Aaron's message really spoke to you, so you focused on the message. I believe the best possible explanation for all the evidence, checking my time, the best possible explanation for all of this evidence for me is that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do, and he rose from the dead. And that is what our Christian faith is founded on. Man, for 2,000 years, skeptics have tried to disprove and have failed to come up with any better explanation of the facts, the historical, the philosophical, the scientific facts. They, they have, for 2,000 years, tried to disprove and they failed to come up with a better explanation. I want to read one. I know you're, you're like, Aaron, I'm, I'm over. I believe already. Like, okay. Um, let, me, let me read one last verse to you. This has been um, kind of credited as uh, the, the defenders of the Christian faith, apologists, these guys have these PhDs and they go out there and they debate these atheists. This has been kind of credited as scripturally speaking because if we're going to at some point go, you know what, based on science, philosophical, and historical evidence, I think the best possible explanation is that Christianity is true, that Jesus rose from the grave, then that leads us to scripture and go, then what scripture's saying is true. And this passage has is, is been one of the best accounts and in, in, in credited as, as one of the passages that the best accounts of the resurrection of Jesus because remember, we don't believe scripture because just because scripture said we believe scripture because Jesus rose from the grave. And so that's the best possible explanation. I can take this as true. Let me read this to you. I'll give you a final application. I promise we're done. First Corinthians 15. Paul says, now remember, Paul is the guy that hated Christians, was on his way to kill more Christians, saw Jesus physically resurrected, and, it, and now he writes most of your New Testament. He says this, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. But Paul says, but I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. What Paul's saying there is you can go ask them. His original audience, he goes, 
Most of them are still alive. You go ask them. Don't just take my word for it. There's eyewitness accounts. Then he was seen by James, the brother, and later by all of the apostles. Last of all, as though I have been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. And so let me just ask you again as we, as we wrap up, is Christianity true? Why do you believe it is or it isn't? My, uh, my understanding, I mean, I, I know this to be true. You're going to walk out of here. I don't, I'm not claiming that we've answered every question you have here tonight. I, I, I still have questions, right? But what I want you to ask yourself is when I look at science, when I look at history, when I look at all these things, when I look at the pieces of the puzzle, when I look at the evidence, when I look at the claims of the eyewitnesses, what is the best possible explanation for these events? My, my hope and, and prayer, man, is that you would continue to wrestle with this. Um, but as I said, I, I hope that tonight, if when we first ask that question, is, is Christianity true? And you said, yes, I'm a Christian. I hope that when you leave here tonight, you have more confidence in your faith, that your faith has been strengthened, that now you have some hard evidence to stand on. You might even feel compelled now and more confidence to even share that faith. My hope is that if you're here today and, and when we first ask, ask that question, is Christianity true? And you said no. I'll be honest. My hope is that at some point you'll say yes. It might not be tonight. I would hope that. But regardless, man, I hope that, that we've presented to you um, the best possible explanation for the evidence and, and that you feel comfortable wrestling with that. My hope and, and, and goal for, for you guys is that you would be so convinced that Christianity is true and, and your faith would be so rooted, man, that you would begin to change your schools. I think God would do that with this group. You change your schools, you change your community, you change your homes. You're going to go on, and, and I fully believe you're going to change family dynamics. I think out of this group, God can raise up the next generation of pastors, that God could raise up the next generation of Ph.D. apologists. Some of y'all, like, y'all ain't even finished in high school, but, like, some of y'all, I'm just messing with you, but, like, some of y'all could be the next wave of apologists, man, the, those that defend and step in there and have these debates because you're convinced the best possible explanation, what I believe to be true, is that Jesus said that he was going to rise from the grave, and he did it. And I have evidence for that. And I believe Christianity to be true. I, I hope that what you see tonight and what you see as you wrestle through this is that there is a creator God, and how good is that, that he loves you enough that he would send his son Jesus, rise him from the grave so that you could spend forever with him in eternity, so that you could know truth, that you wouldn't have to be in confusion. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much that you have left scripture for us. God, that you've preserved the words that men wrote down 2,000 years ago, and you preserved that so that we might have that. God, I'm especially thankful in this season that you left scientific evidence, that you left historical evidence. God, I'm thankful for all the puzzle pieces. Uh, God, that we could take those pieces and, and piece that together. And man, uh, in faith, uh, believe and, and know that Christianity is true, that what you said is true, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to you without, without Jesus. God, I pray for every student in here tonight that tonight was beneficial for them. I pray for anybody that was watching online as we streamed this, that it was beneficial for them. God, I pray that, that you would help 
each student as they wrestle with questions. God, that you would speak to them in a very real way. Um, and God, I just pray ultimately that for those of us that say, yes, Christianity is true, that we would know why we believe it. God, that we would, our faith would be strengthened just as you strengthened mine this week. And we'd have more confidence than ever that Jesus rose from the grave. God, I pray for maybe that student or that person that's watching online who doesn't believe. God, I pray that they would continue to seek truth. They would continue to seek truth with people that love them and want what's best for them. God, that they would continue to look at the evidence. They would continue to not just look at one side, but look at all sides. And God, ultimately, my prayer is that truth would prevail. That because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, God, because when we know the truth, the truth sets us free, God, that ultimately that person would be set free. They would come to a place where when they look at all the evidence laid out, they find themselves confessing with their mouth and believing in their heart that you raised Jesus from the dead, ultimately uh, saving them. So, Father, I thank you for what I believe, the, the, the work that you did here tonight. God, thank you for this series. Uh, God, I pray that it's, it's continually impactful for our students. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.